Welcome to Magic on the Patio. I am here today with my co-host, Terry Barger, and she was interviewed on the podcast a, about a month ago, and I'm really excited to have her back on with us today. And we are talking about the wheel of the year and how to realign our mind, body, and soul back with the seasons. So how are you today, Terry? I'm doing really well. I'm excited that we're getting into fall for real. I know. Uh, I know. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like chilly today. It was like full first day of wearing like a sweater and pants because it's yes. been like sweater and shorts or t-shirt and pants. <laughs> I have been doing the college student sweatshirt and shorts for a while. Yeah. I'm in my full flannels now. Sounds so nice. And you're, uh, I guess, are you in the mid-Atlantic or are you the South? I don't, I feel like. I mean, people fight about it, but (laughs) the DC, I'm in the DC area and it's its own little, like. Own little bubble. Yeah. I mean, with the Bay here and the Potomac, it gets really humid. Mm -hmm. So it's sort of like the humidity of the South, but a little cooler than when I lived in Tennessee, say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. So, oh, I already have all these questions and I'm like, oh, realigning with the season. So I'm like, how, how does that differ from um, being in the Northeast? Because that was the last place that you were for, you guys were up there for about six years, right? Yeah. 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 One of the things I loved about New York city um, is that the seasons were so strongly marked. Um, and that's really the first place I've lived since I was a kid in Appalachia where that was true. Um, and then, you know, when I, as I moved sort of more Midwest or those areas that became less true and farther South, but, um, I loved in New York that the seasons, I mean, we joke, right. That there are six seasons because yes. there's like holiday season and then slush season mm-hmm. and then spring and then summer and then hot garbage season and then the beautiful fall right like but the very clearly marked for like two weeks it's been, right no but right. there is there is that uh definition of seasons that occur in you know a lot of places around the globe but specifically like the northeast um you know the mid-atlantic places like that where we really get those kind of true seasons which for me has been i mean i've only lived in the northeast so i've had that kind of consistency in my my entire life and i've had some friends who were like let's you know let's move out to california let's move out west and I'm like yeah i think i would like 70 degrees every day but i don't know if i would like truly i think i need to want something else or hope for something more or um, live in the change. I mean, that could be because I'm like heavy mutable in my natal chart, but I I love a good change. I like switching it up. I I joke all the time that my favorite season is the season we're about to go into. And my least favorite season is the season we're about to leave. So like, I'm really excited at the beginning of summer. And by the end of August, I'm like, okay, fall, like get here. And then I'm already in my boots and it's still 90 degrees. Like I just want to be wearing leather. (laughs) Yep. And, you know, I love fall. And then I'm like, Ooh, like I'm ready for, for Yule. I'm ready for that cozy feeling. And then, you know, by the time February rolls around, I'm like, all right, like I need some sunshine. I need some tulips. Like yes. it's, it's time, it's time for this, but well, it's, it's kind of, 
kind of funny because as you're saying that, I'm like looking at my, you know, our, our kind of like talking points and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's exactly what the Sabbaths are. You know, it's, you know, what you were just saying about hitting February. I mean, that's in bulk, that's yep. midwinter, that's Groundhog's yep. Day, that's, yep. you know, February 2nd, where all of a sudden you're in the darkest coldest kind of just dreariest time of the year but it really represents rebirth and and kind of like not rebirth in the way of of um actually bringing something into manifestation but it's that rebirth of change of like wanting that little light that beacon of hope right candle moss is the gestation right like that is the period when you are um like thinking of new ideas and you're not doing anything with them yet. You're just creating space and intention around them. You know, you're dreaming of the future. I love the last few years on social media, there have been these winter pictures. You've probably, everyone's probably seen them. I'm actually seeing the one right now. The big oak tree with all of the the creatures like slumbering underneath it and dreaming. Mm -hmm. Like that's, that is the, the, the embolg or the, the, when I, was a teenager it was candle moss more yes. than like the the bulk that term has become popular later later yeah, yeah. well that's the, the shifting of um the shifting of witch culture into more um taking in the western european names which to me that works with my lineage so i honor that but there are so many other terms actually i want to before we j- jump into this topic because we're just so excited <laughs> we're just so excited we're just like we gotta just jump right in i want to read this um excerpt it's one of my favorite kind of like concise uh, excerpts from um the we moon calendar and it's the wheel of the year holy days and it says the seasonal cycle of the year is created by the earth's annual orbit around the sun solstice are the extreme points at the earth's axis tilts towards or away from the sun when days and nights are long or shortest on equinoxes days and nights are equal in all parts of the world Four cross-quarter days roughly mark the midpoints between the solstice and the equinoxes. We commemorate these natural turning points in the Earth cycle. Seasonal celebrations of most cultures cluster around the same natural turning points. And that's really what it is. It's every culture has these special days around these specific points in the wheel of the year or this or the seasonal cycle so like with um in bulk which is midwinter or candlemas it's also the new year in um in china in china or in um tibet and also the iroquois uh native americans and then there is a goddess festival for bridget and in in the celtic tradition so there are and then there are probably thousands of more but these are just the ones that are listed (laughs) you know i live in a really multicultural area and Mabon this year yes or we celebrated it the 21st Mm -hmm. because you know and like like most modern people we do kind of move our celebrations around i my daughter and your daughter i know both in the first grade and i told my husband after Mabon this year which we celebrate on a tuesday that until she's older we are moving those celebrations to the closest saturday like i'm not not doing that anymore so that's a a, an aside but we gotta switch it with the lunar calendar you you can you can make it work however you want (laughs) but close enough the the gods know our intentions But um, the, uh, 
know, our neighbors were celebrating um, the Japanese Moon Festival and um, the Harvest Moon Festival. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we had some other neighbors who were celebrating Korean New Year. Um, and our three, we all three have first graders. And so the three girls got together and were talking about the different traditions and comparing. And, you know, um, um, my daughter got to go and like experience some of theirs. And they came over and celebrated part of our Maban tradition with us. And it was just a really nice cross-cultural acknowledgement of the fact that these are celebrations that are rooted in the natural world and that means that they have a certain universality that we could really embrace so yeah. i loved that no that's i mean how wonderful that you get to share that um and your daughter gets to share that with the community as a whole but even before we get further into the sabbath <laughs> um, i'm I guess my question for you, Terry, because you're the one who brought this up to me where I almost had this aha moment where it was something that I've already, I've known, but just it never connected of, of how do you, how did you come to this kind of thesis that you have about reconnecting and realigning with the wheel of the year for your holistic well-being? You know, um, thinking a little bit about your podcast with Shauna Emmerich and talking about somatic work, and that's really where it comes from for me is from the body. Um, I, um, you know, I, I have a, I, I'm a recovering anorexic and I have a long history of um, disassociation and other um, mental health um, challenges that are pretty common in people who have eating disorders. And as I was becoming more embodied, one of the things that really struck me is the ways that my body aligns to um, both the cycles of the moon in terms of, you know, I lost my period and I got it back. And while I'm not at exactly 28 days, there is, you know, a waxing and waning. Um, and then also my appetite aligns to the harvest. I'm, you know, in the summer, the things I want to eat left to my own devices are greens and, you know, that fresh summer tomato. And then around this time of year, I want harvested food. I want, you know, bread and things that have been baked. And that's both a recognition of that it's getting cooler, but also that's that's when the you can harvest wheat like this is the time of year for that. And then in the winter, um, you know, I, I mean, of course, you want fresh food all the time, but there's also a sense of those heavier and warmer spices and things that are warming to your body. And then in the spring, like those fresh green peas and leeks and that sense of like coming, the world coming back and eating these really light green, like I can picture the color of it, yes, right? Yeah, yeah. Like it's a, it's chives a and like pale green with a hint of yellow. Yes, yeah. no, I know I can. And what's interesting, I was just thinking about the flavor profile of, of springtime foods is that there is still a sour spice to them. They're still like with the garlics and the onions, there is still, it's a cool warming, um, right. Right. Uh, you know, in, in like Ayurvedic medicine, Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's, it's just, it's, it's something that I've noticed that like, we just, 
we all want to connect to this and we do on a subconscious level, but overall um, society pushes us away from this connection. And there are, there are avenues and different things that are kind of pushing like with, with that farm to food, to, you know, table to uh, farm to food, farm to table food. <laughs> farm to table today, food. You got it. You got um, it. <laughs> you know, there, there are these, um, these little subcultures and sub things that are kind of pushing us towards eating and living with the cycles of the earth again, but there is a greater, you know, heaviness that pushes right. us away. And I'm not a, you know, I'm not a romantic with a capital R who yeah. wants to go back to an agrarian culture where, yeah, no, no, you know, you. I mean, where one drought means half your community starves to death. Like mm-hmm. that's not at all what I'm suggesting or that, you know, you your food is ever going to perfectly align. I mean, one of my family traditions is that you always got an orange at Christmas, for example, and that citrus in the middle of winter, like oh, that's magical. So like, like that is incredible. And it's incredible because for where we live, it's out of season, right? Like, it's like special. I'm not, yeah, I'm not saying that, you know, we should perfect, like there's no such thing as perfect eating, but we should perfectly align. But that was my gateway back to my connection with nature was the realization that if I made, as I made peace with my body, my body wanted a rhythm that existed in the world and I could connect with that. And so food was the first entry point. And then from there, movement came later because one of the the practices of eating disorder recovery is um, removing the connection between food and exercise or food and movement. Mm -hmm. The idea that you don't have to earn your food and you don't have to burn your food, right? Like those are like movement is for its own sake and eating is for survival and you don't have to you know, measure those two against each other to decide what you're going to do. But I found, you know, next that my movement also followed and not in the way maybe people always think it does. Like my, um, my doctor always jokes about my late summer siesta because I just like once the heat of autumn hits, like I'm going to lay on my couch and I'm going to like drink lemonade and I'm going to like eat gazpacho and like I will move from my couch like to do some very gentle stretching so that I don't I'm not in pain and like you know if I go to the pool I'll move around but if I have to be in the humid air like I'm not moving my body it sounds it sounds like a really happy and lazy lion right Leo season right (laughs) right exactly exactly And then, you know, the first cool day, I'm like, all right, let's strap on our hiking boots. Like I, you know, the first day it hit 60 mm-hmm. here, um, my daughter and I were out in front of our townhouse hula hooping. Like we were so excited and like, you know, it, you know, there's this, that's also going back to that, that sense of the earth, you know, those late that late summer is also when you stop watering your plants Mm -hmm. as much. I mean, you don't let them, you know, up up to a point, but like, and you know, you're, you're watering your plants is very much on par with like the gentle stretching. Like you're not, you're not forcing growth. Like maybe you're pulling some flowers off so that the rest of the fruit can come to full um, ripeness and the energy can all go to that 
that process. It's like but... a time of plateauing where yes. it, it, it's yes. not stagnation where you're stuck, but it's, it's just enjoying the abundance that's around you and not pushing growth that is not necessary because right. you've already received. And then now it's just allow nature to take its course. Like, right. I mean, today I, I, I kind of was pushing one of my tomato plants because it just kept producing and producing, but I know that they're not going to ripen anymore. I mean, it's right. getting down to the forties at night and it's still right. happy, but I'm like, I think it's time for you to go. And so I collected all of these beautiful green tomatoes and I'm like, and right into the compost because I just, you know, I, sometimes you oh, just can't force things. If you, if you hadn't done that, I would tell you unripe tomatoes, you can pickle. Yeah. Well, so I have a whole bowl of them. I'm thinking, oh, you're already I'm, done. I'm, I'm, you're like, done that. I'm, I'm, I'm already, I'm like, ah, yeah, I, mean, I, I have like, yes, this is my brain. I'm all over the place today. of like, what I'm going to do with this, all of these, uh, right. these tomatoes, but yes, that is one of my, um, cause this one, one bush just kept going and I'm like, this is great. I'm so happy you're a little workhorse, but like, it's, it's time for you to go to sleep. I will yeah. replant your seed next year yeah and you will come you will re you know you'll rejoin us yep. next year and yeah I think that's I think that's one of the re main reasons why I want to do this podcast with you is just to have this open conversation because I feel like a lot of um people in the spiritual community um talk about realigning and embodying but not everyone connects it with the cycle of the year. So it's, it's, I mean, I think a lot of people do, but it's, it's nice to have this conversation again, to kind of just reiterate that like, this is, this is how you become embodied because right. we are a part of nature. And I think that's something that, I mean, there is that huge separations of humanity versus nature. And it, there needs to be that kind of like bringing back of like, yeah, we don't want to go back to like how it was a thousand years ago but I want to be in tunes like those people. And then with the modern technology of what we have right. today, because right. we can have it all. We're human. <laughs> right. I, you know, one thing that really struck me at Mabon this year for the first time too, was, uh, you know, climate change. I mean, you know, my, my sister is, lives near me and she is increasing and deepening her own spiritual practice in this area right now. And she's been sending me ritual ideas and things. And one of them for Mabon is to write your intentions down on fallen leaves. Mm -hmm. And I wrote her back and I was like, there are no fallen leaves. Everything's still green. And I mean, yes, I live a, a little farther south than you do, but this time, even when I lived in, you know, farther south than I do now, when I was a kid, this would have been, yeah. you know, well into like us having to deal with leaf, leaf peepers, right? Like, I mean, we're even up where I am in Connecticut right now, we are just starting to see color. And I was surprised I was... I mean, everything, even with our frost date this year earlier, uh, I mean, it was projected to be sometime mid-May for us. And I, I ended up starting to plant super early. We had one couple of few days of frosty stuff, but not enough to, to hurt any seedlings. So yeah, no, the uh, climate change as a whole is, I mean, gosh, 
where, where can we tell we're, we're, we're not going to go there this one but it's true seeing the cycle of the year being affected by uh, climate change is um, another way to kind of embody yourself within um, seeking spiritual and magical help to help the collective move forward that's kind of how I see it yeah I you know you can't align yourself to the earth without aligning yourself with the earth yes and once you do that, it's really hard to be in denial about climate change and its impact. And I, I don't mean that in the sense of climate change deniers, like that is a whole political yeah. thing. I mean that in the sense of like not noticing it more often and it not being very real and very present and very well embodied yeah and, i mean because that's what you when know you, when you're witnessing the wheel of the year you're able to um broaden your awareness and i think right. that, and then when you broaden that awareness then you're able to acknowledge and that's really where the um the shift and transformation happens it's after you actually acknowledge something on a core level that it's like yeah we all know that this is all happening but when you finally it's like when you start to really truly see it and it's like hopefully it's not too late Right. You know, right. We are innovative creatures. So I'm hopeful that's where I have to be. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think, I think that's the, that's the beauty is, is just witness being witness to mother earth is, um, is such a blessing. And then, it I is. mean, so let's hop back into the Sabbaths because we're like, talking about Mother Earth because we, <laughs> we talked about Imbolc. I mean, we talked about Mabon, but we'll we'll talk about that later. But um, right. I mean, moving right into um, Ostara, which is the spring equinox, which is, you know, usually March 20th, 21st, or so, you know, really just depends on where the sun's aligning. Um, for Ostara, for me, it, it is about birth um and kind of just that for but also fertility it's 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 that like full-bellied you know mama vibes you know that that is the embodiment of the spring equinox i mean i think that's one of the reasons why you know bunnies are you know a symbol yes you know, it's just, yes <laughs> it's it's all about fertility and then birthing um but yeah, so the thing that was written from We Moon, it says rebirth, fertility, eggs. It's also Passover um, and then Easter for, uh, for Christians and then the goddess festivals for um, Oster, Ostara, and then all of these other, oh, and Persephone and then Flora. So you have all of this. Um, it's For me, it's a very duality, very dual um, moment in time. I think that's really what the equinoxes are. I mean, you have that, that equal, equal of a light and dark, and you actually get to witness the duality of, of, um, cold and warmth with the spring equinox. Cause you never know on the spring equinox, if you are going to be in a down winter jacket or in a skirt and a tank top. And that has nothing to do with climate change. It's like literally that's the duality of that specific day is, is the temperature for me. And, um, and I love witnessing that and just like being like, oh, I wonder, wonder what we're gonna do. 
<laughs> how yep. cold will we be? How warm will we be? <laughs> yep. And, you know, my my daughter was born in early April. So, you know, that, that Ostar, I was yeah. like fully oh, uh, in the, <laughs> I was fully in the uh, experience of fertility as it, as it were, but yeah, I, I love, I love the eggs. We mm -hmm. have a tradition. Um, we blow eggs, yes. you hollow them out so that you can keep them and put a little super glue or some other epoxy inside. And then we use them to set an intention for um, the upcoming year. And um, then we hang them where we can see them to be reminded of the intention. So uh, mine was over my altar. I took it down at Mabon to replace it with a different um, symbol. But my daughter's is still hanging up at the bottom of the stairs. And when she gets a little older, we will crush them. Mm -hmm. and use them in our to plant our spring bulbs for the next year but the suggestion that we do that was met with like an absolute like it's it's not going to happen right now and that's fine too like we for can... the for that beautiful aries child who crushes <laughs> everything and rips everything up the one egg <laughs> must live she's been so <laughs> careful with it oh, like that's and that's so that's part of it too because you're right she will like i mean she's torn down like all of my towel racks like she is like very physical and like not a delicate person at all but this egg has been baby. unharmed for six months now and i'm it's you know kind of amazing i mean that's a feat in itself so like brava <laughs> <laughs> yes yes oh, so, so that's a wonderful is. tradition to have um and to share with with your family but also community and i yes. um, you know I, I know a lot of uh Western European cultures do something like that. And it's part of the, the community aspect, but it's just, it's so nice being able to take something that is already part of our culture, our Western culture of like Easter time with the eggs and then kind of shifting it a little more, a little more witchy and inviting people in to go, this is how we perceive the eggs and this is how they are supposed to be perceived. So here you go, let's try. <laughs> We, um, yeah, I grew up in a church setting, a Christian Methodist church mm -hmm. setting that really embraced a lot of the, the paganism that comes from um, the sort of Gaelic, Celtic, mm -hmm. uh, Roman Catholic uh, stew that is, that, that, that is sort of created most of many of our modern Western religions. And so Easter has always had a lot of pagan elements to it. And, you know, I haven't, I felt very comfortable keeping those. And those are some of my best memories. Um, yeah. Also from that comes a real marrying of the festival, 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 and the holiday, holy day mm -hmm. um, vibe. Those two things are not in um, any kind of tension in our practices, which I really love. Yeah. You know, they can be fun and we can laugh and they can have that like, high energy and also be something sacred. Yeah. So there's definitely more of a, um, joyful uh embracing of of the spring equinox traditions within the western christian worlds um 
which it does make it easier to share. And then also makes it easier to just feel less, um, I don't want to use the word shame because I don't feel shameful, but there is that like implied shame of doing, if you were going to be doing any other rituals on certain other practices on other, you know, holy days or Sabbaths, you know, there is that implication that it should not be done. Oh oh, yeah. I, uh, Uh, for Maban this year, I, you know, I always light a fire in a cauldron because mm-hmm. these are the fire festivals. That's what they are. And uh, we we have a, a friend of Amelia's who often attends with us. And this is not her first festival, but, uh, you know, they're getting older and more aware. And I was like, oh, I need to go get the cauldron. And she's like, you have a cauldron? <laughs> Very... <laughs> What? See Terry with this giant cauldron. It's only uh, also my cauldron's only like the size of a soup bowl too, which makes it especially funny because I live in a townhouse and I light the fire on my deck. So I'd rather not burn the neighborhood down. So Mm -hmm. it's you know it is a very small small cauldron, but. Hey, it's, I mean, still works. It does. It makes magic no matter the size of your cauldron. (laughs) That's a very Ostera innuendo there. I approve. It is. It is. Yes, Ostera, it's like, you know, basically the spring, I mean, pretty much any holiday, it's the get it on holiday, really. All the Sabbaths are, it's funny because I was like, oh, let me do some research. It's like always the first one. Fertility, sex, (laughs) marriage. Yeah, pretty much all of them are. Um, but yeah, Ostara is definitely the, um, cause it's the beginning of the renew. It's, it's not renewal anymore. We've already have that beacon. We already have that, like that light, um, from Imbolc. It's now moving into the actual manifestation of birth and, 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 and life itself, um, which is interesting. And I've always found very interesting that, um, that the crucifixion fell around that time and the the way that it plays in certain churches it's either all about the crucifixion or it's all about the resurrection (laughs) yeah depending on uh on which way it goes right and there's definitely a subverting of the natural world there right like as you know even in more druidic traditions where you are talking about um, sacrificing your God or the death of your God in some way, whether, however that happens, it doesn't happen in the spring, right? Like that is not, that for most, for most religions, that is not when that happens. And so, you know, there are sects of Christianity that maintain their power by teaching us not to trust our bodies and our intuition and mythology and and the mythology helps with that by divorcing the mythology the god mythology from the natural world Mm -hmm. so birth is happening in the dead of winter right like on essentially shortest night Mm -hmm. and then you know, death is happening um, at a time when we, most people, most peoples are celebrating birth. And, you know, there is a really can be, uh, not all Christians, right, but can be a really insidious message that 
your connection to the world cannot be trusted, your body cannot be trusted, your feelings of like a time of opening up and being um, joyful and happy need to be, um, you, you need to clamp back down on that. I mean, you also have Lent happening around this time too, right? And Lent, uh, a time of, you know, austerity and giving things up is happening at exactly the same moment that the earth is beginning to open up and start to give us the gifts of spring. Yeah. And it's not, I don't think those things are intentional in the sense that some, you know, Pope sat in his chair and said, oh, like, mm -hmm. let's, let's get people to like, not trust themselves. But I do think that they're intentional in the sense that in any relationship, when you can get people to start doubting their intuition and their connection, you have more power over them. And there are always people in any tradition, including, you know, an uncomfortable number of the pagan sects as well, mm -hmm. who look for those opportunities for power and twist them. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's exact. I mean, that's, that's what human, that's what humans do. <laughs> and, and the whole, the beauty of witchcraft and the individuality of it is that you are your own guidepost within community supporting your individual choices. So that, and that is one of the reasons why I connect to it and always have is because there isn't an authority that is um, dictating how you must be and behave and um, and celebrate and just and and be a part of the community. But then with witches, there is a community that will support and you will find people who are in the same ebbs and flows as you. But that doesn't mean that you are then ostracized by a whole nother group. And yes, there are people who do that. But as a greater whole, that is what witchcraft is. And that's, I think, one reason why it's been been becoming really, really popular, um, especially with um, kind of people that are like in their 30s and up, just like reassessing even younger um, just reassessing what their connection with spirituality is and how how it shouldn't be dictated by anyone else yep i am a hundred percent uh taking advantage of the current popularity in witchcraft to get like really cute supplies yes. and like you know i see occasionally i see long-term practitioners who are like oh like you know we've become like this trend and all these people are like wearing like pointy hats as accessories and then it's just gonna fall away again and they're right like like there are yeah. there are lots of dabblers and that's fine but you know, much like with style, like when, when the things you love come into fashion, like go shopping, <laughs> jump on it. And like, and like, hopefully, you know, more will stay than will leave. And like, right. you know, and that, and, and truly, and that's the thing about this type of, um, mind, body, soul practice of witchcraft is that it doesn't have to be utilized every single day of your life. Like it's, it's not like you have to be a, a devout Catholic every day and, you know, move through life with these principles. No, if, if there's a day that you're not celebrating something or doing something or you, it, it's fine. And, and it doesn't take away from your power. I heard a joke the other day. You'll appreciate. Are you ready? Yes. 
Okay, what is a witch's favorite full moon ritual? Oh, I don't know. Oh crap, was that today? <laughs> that, was, that was like literally me on Maybon this year. Maybon was like, it's my fa- it's one of my favorite. I mean, they're all my favorite, but it's like truly I love it. And this year I was like, oh my gosh, how did I how did I miss that this year? <laughs> I mean, I wasn't ready for the change in seasons this year. I just, uh, you know, between still being, I'm still at home from the pandemic. I've been home for, you know, almost you know, two years. Yeah. And uh, between that and, you know, the fact, as we talked about, like the season change is mm-hmm. not happening till much later. Like, I'm like, what do you mean it's mid-September? Like, I am, I mean, I was only prepared because I'm a planner nerd and I have like, I have like a whole like, like you have a whole life in your planner and it's very cool. Like several, several uh, weeks beforehand, there are notes like to do stuff that I put in there when I get a new planner. Otherwise they, they don't happen. So, um, but yeah, it is. The, the one that just slipped by me this year, which we haven't gotten to yet, is uh, uh, Lunesa, which just did not happen oh, this yeah. year for me. Yeah. Like yeah. I had just gotten back from a wedding and I was headed to a funeral and I was like, oh, yeah, there's a high holy day that's happening in between these two things. And, you know, I had a really hard time connecting with the idea of first harvest this year mm-hmm. because um there, there, there wasn't one. My first harvest for my garden didn't come until much later because again, like the heat I planted, um, I plant in the Appalachian tradition, which means I plant the first, um, the, the, you know, the first weekend after the pink moon Mm -hmm. is, is when I plant and, uh, I planned it as usual and my plants have grown wonderfully, but I didn't get a harvest this year until mid-August. Yeah. Yeah. So except shard. It's been off. Except shard. (laughs) Yeah. My dark leafy greens did great until, you know, (laughs) they bolted. Yep. Yep. (laughs) But yeah, no, I mean, that's why I was still harvesting tomatoes today. I I mean, I still have peppers, peppers. I all so many peppers. And I was like, what am I doing with all of these peppers? Same, same. I still have tomatoes and and peppers on the vine and it's only getting into the fifties at this point. So I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm going to just let them keep growing. But I mean, I don't know. Am I going to serve tomatoes at Thanksgiving this year? Let's find out. (laughs) We'll see. We'll, we'll check back in with you. (laughs) So so why don't we then jump into Beltane, which is mid-spring, which um, for me, it's a special time because that was actually my daughter's birth date uh, or her due date. And then she was actually born the full moon after. So depending on your practice, you s- celebrate either this day, which would be May 1st or the new moon or the full moon really just depends. Basically this whole like two week period, you can celebrate these holidays, uh, holidays. So, um, so it's just a really special time. Actually, my second daughter was born on May 8th too. So I have two very much Beltane, thin veiled fairy children. <laughs> who they are, really are. They really are. There's just such Tauruses at this point. <laughs> I just, I, I like can't, um, I, I, I just can't wrap my head around it, but yeah, I just love Beltane as a, 
it's all about for me it, it's about body movement for me and really getting in tune and in touch with your body in a very primal way um specifically like it is a holiday like a high holiday for sex and it's a high holiday for like basically reproduction marriage hand fasting things like that it is a very and having that kind of taking that energy and moving it into the body and if not in a sexual way is a really great practice that I do like I always pick up my yoga practice at that point I and it also works with the weather like it's getting a little warmer I'm not I'm not bundled in giant sweaters anymore you know and it's it's just a really great time to just start moving again like it really is. Yes. That sense of you talk about like taking off your sweater when you're talking yes. about sex, like you're mm -hmm. like when you go out in the world on Beltane, there's like there's skin, there's skin. And it's kind of the beginning of there being skin. And it's so sensual, like yes. and I, it's sensual both in the sexual sense sometimes because mm -hmm. suddenly like there's a feast of skin for your yes. eyes, which is lovely. Um, but also sensual in the sense that it's a sense you like this, you can feel it, you can see people like loosening up and, you yeah. know, the um, one challenge for me with the pandemic is Beltane has always been a very social holiday for yes. me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I moved to a new community um, and the only holiday I was here for prior to um, the pandemic shutdown was Candlemas. And then like, I, you know, I, I, I've not made a, um, a real connection with the, um, the witch or the pagan or the Wiccan community here, um, just because of the pandemic. And, uh, so I'm hoping this year, since it is also typically an outdoor festival to be able to find, you know, a community to celebrate with who are, um not an orgiastic community which yeah. are still out there not, and not hedonistic like, but you know more, what, hey? like more power to them like that that can be a lot of fun but i am 45 years old and i've been married for 15 years and that is not uh i'm, I'm good that is I'm that good. is not not my my way to celebrate that holiday anymore yes, you know? we'll have a big bonfire dance around it and yeah. you know eat some really good i, I just i feel like you know like pig on a spit like first yep. barbecue vibes really yep. fresh greens like it's it's such a wonder just a wonderful time of year to um to start commuting again because if you if you think about it in northern hemisphere because we're talking all about this in the north from the northern hemisphere's um perspective that would be the first time that you would actually be able to go to a community gathering and like witness who survived the winter truly because with with ostara there's still especially in the northern um climates there's still most likely snow you know there's still not everyone heading out to the community gatherings um but beltane truly is when communities start to open up um so you get to see get to see who survived the long winter <laughs> yep Yep. And, you know, for young people too, like that's, I mean, there's a reason that hand fastings and things are so popular then like, you know, you, you, you in at Mobon, like you retire to your home, like, 
a 15, you know, a gangly 15 year old and at Beltane, you come out like a strapping, like, you know, 16 year old or whatever. Like, you know, there's that sense of like, you know, you know, your neighbors, but how much time you've gotten to spend with them though, you know, I mean, communities do gather at, at the winter holidays as well. They do. do. Um, it's just, it's one of those ones where it tends to be either more close knit. Um, but like with Beltane, it's like, it's the county, it's not the county fair season here, but it's like that kind of atmosphere of like, it's multiple towns gathering. It's the whole area. Um, you know, multiple clans, if you will. But yeah, uh, yeah no, I just, I, I love Beltane. And normally with um, my family, we do do a burning ritual, um, kind of setting intentions once again, kind of re reiterating what we set for, for Imbolc and Ostara, just kind of just really what, what we want to make fruitful, um, you know, kind of just embodying what we want to grow over the growing months because that's that's truly what mid-spring is it's you're starting to move into that true growth period that's when you start to see all the plants really erupt that's when you start to see all the greenery and the leaves so so yeah that's that's really the rituals that we do is just kind of like solidifying what we want to actually grow and manifest yeah, I mean, for for me, traditionally, Beltane really is just a big party. We yeah. do, I often, it, plants that I'm not going to grow from seedlings, mm-hmm. I often buy them buy. the weekend around Beltane because um, they'll have been sprouted. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I live in a townhome, so I'm doing a container garden. So, um, you know, I, I, I do not have the space to sprout, um, everything from seed. So I do a mix of, of things that I grow myself and things I buy. And those often I will go to a nursery the weekend around Beltane and pick the plants that I've mapped out and, and pick those out and, and bring them home and sort of nurture them up until, you know, about usually it's 10 days to two weeks later that, that I really start growing. Um, but in terms of the celebration, it is very much, you know, the pig roast, the barbecue, the um, uh, day at the lake, Um, especially when I lived farther south where this would have been, this is a a much warmer time, but the Mm -hmm. pools still don't open till Labor Day, which is never made any sense to me. Um, So, you know, we would go to the lake, we would go to the river. um, You know, my church had a tradition around this time, which again, I, I, you know, I attended a church that was very rooted in the seasons um, where um, they would have a picnic on an island um, in a river with willow trees like that. You know, it was very, yeah, it was, it was very magical. And, you know, you would swing out over the river and it would be like warm enough that it wasn't going to be like catastrophic if you fell in, but it was really, the stakes were high enough to make it really risky not to fall Mm -hmm. in. And Beltane feels that way in a lot of way. There's a lot of like, like the stakes can be really high. Like you might meet the person you're going to spend the life, the rest of your life with. You might have sex that leads to pregnancy. You might, you know, a lot of um, anticipation. It's like that. Yes. Like, it's like that. Yes. Like, gut, or like your sacral area, like that, like, Ooh, what, where is my, where are we going to go? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Where are we thrusting ourselves into? Yep. Yep. It's that, uh, 
Yeah, that yeah. yes. Yes, that is a very good description. And we, you know, we do sometimes do a Maypole, though that is very hit yes. and miss for us, depending on where we live and what we have available. I think that might so. be something that we might do next year, because I thought about doing it this year, but with the kids, they're just a little like, do I do this whole work and it doesn't work out for any of us? <laughs> so I'm like, oh, maybe, maybe we'll do, maybe we'll do it next year when, you know, we don't have a terrible two year olds. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, so then that moves us right into the summer solstice with Litha, which, you know, it's, you know, around June 20th to 22nd, depending um, for us. And how do you celebrate? This is our first solstice that we're talking about. How do you, how do you deal with the solstices? How do you do with the longest day? <laughs> so this year was like, nothing went right. And it ended up being so special and so magical, but it was absolutely nothing we had planned. So this year, Litha and Father's Day fell on the same day. Mm -hmm. And I scheduled, as a Father's Day gift, I scheduled a father-daughter hike and bonfire for my husband and my daughter before I realized it was Litha. But it was pretty early in the day. Mm -hmm. um, and I was like, well, you know, our community is having a um, solstice bonfire That's so nice. at another park. So why don't you just pick me up after your bonfire and we'll go to that bonfire and it'll so be like fires. a whole day of, of fires. It will be lovely. And so I had them drop me off at a nature preserve on my on their way. And I spent the the afternoon doing yoga and walking around and like really just getting to know some of the native plants and you know i i'm trying to learn more about the area where i live now and what's native here you know i sometimes assume it's very similar to um where i grew up which is not that far from here but a different climate and a different um Elevate significantly different elevation. Yeah, the whole yeah. zone is probably yep. absolutely different. The growing zone, yeah. Yep. So um, that was really fantastic just to spend the day alone. And then there was a wreck, and the entrance to the park where the bonfire was going to happen was closed, and they called us. And so, like, they just came back and got us, and we came back here. And we ended up just lighting a second little fire in my cauldron and making s'mores not in the cauldron and <laughs> and like, you know, dancing around to music on our back deck. And it was oh. super low key, but I, I think it worked out for the best. I'm not sure that my, you know, six year old was really ready to like hike and go to a bonfire and then drive to it. Like I had totally yeah. over engineered, like trying to do everything and and it didn't happen. And that is, that is fine. So it's, that's always how it is. It's like when you over plan, over plan, over plan, and then it's like source spirit, whoever is like, no, you can't do that. Stop. I <laughs> had give you this out right now. <laughs> I had such an amazing experience with that this week. So I, um, you know, I do have fall rituals that I do that are really around taking the energy of summer and compressing them and turning them into less chaos and more controlled mm -hmm. 
um, it's it really is the spiritual version of canning. Yeah, like you take like these wild growing things and you put them into a more controlled purpose so they can sustain you through times when your energy is lower. So I have some really important rituals to do around that. And I needed to get them done by my own calendar and my own understanding of my energies by October 1st. And I just kept putting it off. And like, like I kept like building it up as it had to be perfect. So Thursday, so this would be September 29th, like I worked and I'd, I've been really busy at my, my job. And I was like, well, you know, like, I really want this to be a morning ritual. Cause like, that's when the energy is the best. So I'm not going to do it today. And I had that thought. And for the first time since I lived here, no storm, nothing, the power went out of my neighborhood. Like, I couldn't work. I couldn't get on the internet. I couldn't like do anything. And I was like, okay, like, I guess I'm going to do my ritual. So I locked myself in my, my room with my altar and Lou, uh, you know, I, I, I started to say I shut everything off, but obviously like the universe had done that for me. <laughs> and I spent, you know, two and a half hours doing this and wow. a friend texted and, you know, we were, you know, and was, at, you know, just as I was finishing and was like, Hey, like I heard from the power company, the power is going to come back on between three and eight at 20 minutes till three, I blew out my candles and two minutes later, the power came back on. Like, powerful witch over here. <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, mm. I don't think so. I think it's really <laughs> like a witch who needed a reminder that like, you made a you made a commitment like you're gonna keep it (laughs) we're doing our work over here you gotta do your work (laughs) oh i love that that's such a you know it's that kind of awareness that is such a key component to moving with and through magic um it's just it's just having your eyes open just a little wider yeah truly that's it and we all have it just just open just a little little bit more um but yes oh I love that I love that so did you um were you thinking mostly about the solstice or more about midsummer energy or were you kind of like do you take all of summer vibes and kind of yeah it I mean it's really yeah, it's really that end of summer and like, you, like, Lamas, like yeah, like everything, everything has sort of, sort of like, is still swirling around. And, you know, again, like five years ago, I probably would have been doing this ritual, like, you know, hard stop by the end of September, mm-hmm. but it, you know, it just wasn't time yet. Like it but, wasn't I done mean, that yet. Kind of makes sense with how you were talking about. You've moved to a different climate. Yeah. Um, your the seasons are kind of extending just a smidge. So of course, spirits like, yeah, we're not ready yet. There's still summer chaotic energy to be had. So right. right. Let's wait. Let's wait to bottle that up. Yeah, we're not gonna. We're not gonna take the. We're not gonna get our 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 scythe out, our reaper out just yet. Like, 
Yeah. Yes. So yeah, I mean that that kind of leads us right into midsummer, which is August second, um, which would be our first harvest. Which you know, Terry, you touched on a little earlier because there are three harvests. Um, so Lamas is first, then Nabom, and then uh, Sawin. And with the first harvest for me, you know, it's usually represents berries and um, stone fruits and all of those, those first really sweet and tart foods that are, are that are ripened at that time of right. year, plus with wheat and, and certain corns and certain grains, um, depending on where you are. But yeah, I mean, this year we went uh, blueberry picking and uh, peach pit picking, and it was, it's going to be our new llamas tradition for our family. Cause it was just so, it was so sweet. And I was like, that's exactly what this holiday, this first harvest is the light harvest right. in my it, opinion. That sounds amazing. I one of Amelia's friends taught me that told me her favorite peaches around around that time are she's like, you want an over the sink peach. Yes. And yeah. I was like, I was like, tell me more about that. And she's like, you have to eat it over the sink. And I was like, yeah, that's exactly. And that's such a great image for for llamas the over Mm -hmm. like biting into that over the over the sink peach and like you have to come home from that harvest sticky yeah (laughs) yeah there's a a song from my childhood about um about berry picking season and i i promise i'm not gonna sing it to you because i'm kind (laughs) but um one of the uh one of the lines is um, the farmer charges by the pound. Here's what he should do. Weigh us once before we start and weigh us when we're through. Oh. <laughs> That's so perfect. Oh it my is. Gosh, I love that. Is that a, is. Um, a traditional Appalachian? I, I don't know. I mean, I grew up with it. Like, you so know, maybe. maybe. Yeah. I oh, mean, I love that. Know, That's so but, good. I, you know, I, I'll try to make a note to send you, if I can find a recording of it, I'll send it to you. Oh, I love that. That'd be so good. I just, I, I love all of those older folk before country was country songs and music. It's the best. It's the best. Um, so yeah, I think it's, I think first harvest is it's, it's one that like many people, like how you were saying, like, you kind of just kind of brush over it because you, it's not really a, for me this year, it was berry picking. And then me and my girls just kind of sat on a picnic blanket and just soaked in the sun, literally sunbathing was our ritual. Um, and that's, and it's just laying, laying, like how you were saying, like, laying around, just relaxing, not moving too much because there's going to be a lot of movement that's going to be needed in the next month and a half. So be that lazy Leo lion, you know, enjoy and bask in the sun, get, just lay around, have people feed you, be, be Bacchus, you know? (laughs) I love it. I love it. Yes. Yes. But it's also very hot and humid. So, you know, (laughs) it is, it is. But then that leads right into Mabon, which is what we just moved through. And for you, I mean, it sounds like you had such a beautiful experience this year. We, we just had a really, we had a lot of fun. We really emphasize balance for, for Maybon. We play games. We do, um, even though eggs are really about Candlemas and Ostara, we do use eggs. We, um, 
Um, we do an egg toss mm -hmm. where you have to like throw it to your partner and catch it. And um, we do an egg race with a spoon. We talk about um, the balance and the seasons and the fact that, you know, starting tomorrow, nights are going to be longer than days. And um, something that we really try to do too is acknowledge community at this time and find some way to help our community get through the winter. Um, that again has been really challenged by um, uh, by the pandemic. This year, we just gave a donation to a food bank, but next year we are hoping to be comfortable and vaccinated, have our yes. six year old vaccinated, yes. so that we soon, can soon. go do like you know activities or or some other you know act of feeding. Of, well, of that, that makes sense for to even want to do that to be a part of community. So the second harvest is really about community getting together to harvest to, at the same time because everyone's harvests are coming in. This is the real true last push. I mean, we when we get to Samhain, there is a little bit more, but it's really more about the feasting aspect. Um, whereas Maybon is the true, everyone get together, everyone has their horse, everyone has their plow, everyone has all this stuff, and you are just working hard. And you work hard for, you know, weeks, weeks, truly. I mean, this and before the, it gets too dark because you cannot work, you know, and then it gets too cold and then, you know, the true harvest season starts to end. Um, so then being with community and giving back, because um, this is when we start thinking about prepping and, and finding balance and prepping for the winter um, is, is all that's happening right now. So it's beautiful. I love Mavon. And then we move into Samhain, Halloween. Yes. Yes. Uh, you know, the Day of the Dead, all of these beautiful rituals around um, October 31st, which I feel like every witch's favorite. <laughs> it's really special. It's it is, really right? special. Yeah. How do you how do you celebrate? How do you feel? Um, you know, on Halloween itself, we are very secular and we mm -hmm. do we do the suburban, since we've moved here, we do the suburban trick or treat yeah. or haunted houses or whatever is going on. Um, I usually make the space for the ritual a couple of days before or after um, because of that. And, you know, part of that time I spend alone um, and it's a time when I really, um, contemplate death and the veil and um, think about my ancestors and um, their teachings and learnings and, and that sort of thing. Um, I also, it's a time of year when, do you know the, the idea of gleaning the field? Yes, yeah. So, you know, it's a time when I try and make sure that we go through our home and anything that we don't, um, we don't need or don't want that is, you know, we're past like fall cleaning, which happens mm -hmm. before mob on, but it's an opportunity to, um, to, to move things that we don't need along. And for people who don't know, gleaning the field is a charitable tradition, um, going back thousands of years where, um, pre the super efficient farm tools, farmers took as much as they could, and then they would invite, um, 
people whose harvest weren't as good or who didn't own land or et cetera to come through their fields and take what they were unable to harvest. So um, the this is sort of a modern interpretation of a field cleaning or the last harvest where you look through your, your home and things that are still usable that you are not using, you pass on. Pass on, yeah. So. Well, and that goes once again with that prepping for the winter prepping for survival and prepping for restorative and healing moments where, you know, you don't want to be seeking things that are, um, that you don't have, but you need for your own restorative actions. Um, and that's, that's a beautiful tradition to have. I mean, I feel like with all, most of these holy days, there is some action of community, but this one is a specific, like look around your house and see if there's something that, even if it's something that is still meaningful to you, but you're only holding on just for that kind of simple, meaningful pleasure, it might be time to move it along to give that to someone else to, to use, you know, maybe it's a a specific cooking pot that you love, but you haven't used in years, but it's like someone else can cook a really beautiful stew in this pot. Right. You know, right. I mean, and, and it is really a time for items. I love that too, because, you know, it is sort of this idea of, uh, of the veil and it. So this might be a good time if there's something that's been passed down to you that, you know, you're feeling guilt about letting go of, this is a good time to acknowledge your connection to the person and not to the object. And if that object is taking up space in your home that is unneeded, you know, you can let it go without maybe feeling the same sense of um, betrayal. I think sometimes people really feel betrayed that you might feel if, if it's around this holy day and this ritual. Well, and that's, that's the beauty of this time is that the veil is thin and it's specifically like with Beltane, which is opposite on the wheel. Um, there is a moment of ancestors, but usually it's about spirit specifically. Like, so there's more fairy magic, more spirit magic, whereas Samhain, it's more about ancestral connection. Um, so for me and my family, we usually do a very small, um, ancestor altar, usually with people who have recently passed, um, just something nice where we set up some photos, light some candles, and we just, we put a little offering to them that they enjoyed. Um, and like, just, just spend a moment and then ask them, you know, how they are, where they are, see if they come in, see if they don't come in and then just allow them to know that we're holding space for them still, uh, is been a, um, it's been a ritual for us for a really long time. And I've, uh, I've, I enjoy doing it and sharing it with my kids. Um, since we have lost a few people in the past two years, that have been important. Um, it's been really nice to move through the grieving with having this very special day. I'm, I'm sorry you've had, I know, I know you've had some loss in the last two years and I am, I'm sorry that you've experienced that. Um, and it's beautiful that you have a ritual around that. Um, you you. you know, the other thing that I will sometimes do around sawing, and this is such a stereotype, but it is a good time for graveyard magic, which is part of tradition. Um, you know, if I have to make a, a difficult decision, 
um, that is certainly a good time for a visit to a crossroads with some cemetery dirt and a white candle to really like make the decision and make it decisive and mm -hmm. steal the other path and and move on. Um, you can do that any time of year. You know, you can certainly do that. Um, you know, following a moon phase or that sort of thing. But there are times when, you know, the bigger turning of the wheel is a more appropriate time for that, especially if it involves, um, you know, cutting someone out of your life or um, making a huge life change where, you know, if you take one path, the other path is closed. That is definitely a good time for that kind of ritual. Yeah. Uh, Sewing, I, I mean, they're all very magical and potent um, holy days, but Samhain has that, um, it's magic of finality to me. Um, it, maybe just because it's, you know, it's death, but it's if you want something to be there, be ended or take hold, whatever that kind of finality, like a real true spell or action or manifestation of, of, of full depth and and um, closure and holding on to um, this is the day for that. Um, so yes, if it's something like moving careers and you know which career path you want and that is the career for you and you're already there, that moving, letting go of a relationship, yes, definitely, um, definitely the day that will be the most potent for you. Um, but once again, you don't have to wait, but. You'd no. always you'd always do a boost spell on that day. <laughs> That's true too. That's true too. Um, so yeah, and then moving right into uh, the winter solstice, Yule, December twenty first. Oh, how do so you what feel do you, about it? I, <laughs> I know you asked me. Ask so, me. <laughs> I was going to. So I. I love Yule. It's my father's birthday. Oh, it's my husband's birthday uh, too. Oh, cool. Love these early caps. Yep. Yep. <laughs> And, you know, so in our house, it was always very distinct from the Christmas holiday because in part because my dad did, you know, my dad liked celebrating his birthday and he yeah. didn't want it to get just enveloped Messed into Christmas. Christmas. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I love Longest Night. I, and you know, there is a lot of celebration of sort of beating back the dark, and that is not how we celebrate it at all in our house. It is very much like a night to get cozy with blankets. When we're not in the middle of a pandemic, we invite friends over and we ask everyone to bring their favorite poetry that has to do with darkness and nighttime and starlight and the moon. And people have an opportunity to read. Um, it's just like we light candles and we, you know, we try to keep the electric lights off and it's really... Uh, it's just really a good time really for us. Good time. Yeah, no, I love that idea. I think I'm going to steal that idea about the poetry. <laughs> Next time we can have some uh, people over during uh, inside. Uh, that would be, sounds just so wonderful and magical, but I love Yule too. It's my husband's birthday and we, uh, and I'm also a December baby too. So we understand what it's like to uh, be a, uh, squished in by the holidays by the by the american holidays specifically but yeah no we um we do something similar i we started with raz really talking about the mythology of the holly and oak king um 
and allowing it not to be a, we, we actually called it a dance party because Roz was really into it being a, um, it was like a dance breaking party these two kings which was really fun I, I just I just imagining her imagine it uh is just hilarious to me but we we talked about how when um the battle was done it was okay for the holly king to move through and to darkness to come and that is okay because it's necessary or no, the, oh yeah, yeah, the Oak King to come through. It's me getting all confused. But yes, it was, <laughs> this is where I'm at with the, with the dualities of things. But I, I just, I love the idea of being wrapped in darkness at this time. There is a moment of stillness, um, even though it is a big uh, fire holiday like we burn we we have now this we that this was our first holiday last year in our new home and we have a fireplace and we like burnt a big fire and we just we we just sat by that roaring fire and I just can't wait to do it again but we have that fire but it, it is a it reminds me of a womb-like sensation of when, you know, when you were in utero being wrapped in darkness, but you can hear the crispness of the fire while your eyes are closed or the voices of your ancestors or the voices of your parents and just allowing your body to float in that time and space. And that's really what Yule feels like for me. It's, it's just that, that moment of being in, in, in womb. <laughs> yep. It very much feels the same way for me. That is very, you know, so, so maybe, uh, maybe the, the idea of, um, the, the Christian celebration of birth isn't that far off then if maybe. you think about yeah. it in that way. And, and, you know, like I, I said earlier, like, you know, I'm certainly not painting all Christians with this brush of, of, of moving against intuition, but, um, but yeah, for me too, it's that enveloped in darkness, um, enveloped in like a cloak of stars, mm -hmm. um, this yes. real sense of being um, part of the universe that I feel at Yule in a way that I don't always feel at the other holidays. Well, like the that stars is feel brighter. The air is crisp. There's just a, there's a crisp brightness like it's a bright time of year and I, I now it's like now thinking about it like with the christians choosing in and around that date there is a uh, a sense of hope around that time but then i can see how it can be used easily to um to almost subjugate people into a belief of of uh separation from nature but there is there is this uh I just, it's a, it's a time of lightness in darkness, but lightness and weight. Right. Um, and that, and that's, I, I'm just like imagining how I'm going to feel in Yule this year. I'm probably gonna be stressed yeah. out because of, you know, Christmas, but, uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> which is what, what, what started this whole conversation months ago for us was the fact that in a time of us being cozy and warm and just within our own, our own soul, the cosmos of our own soul. We are hustling and bustling to spend time with family, to purchase gifts, to basically drive an economy. Right. <laughs> During yeah. a whole month period. Yeah. And, 
you know, I, that brings us back to really the the top discussion about alignment, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, for me, these days, I really, the rest of winter, the respite of winter starts at Yule. Yes. And really goes through you know, energy starts to pick up again at Candlemas and Bulk, and then, you know, at Ostera, like you really open up and bloom. There's but, an emergence. Yes, yes. But, you know, from Mabon to Yule is very, it, it's, it's not the chaotic energy of the summer, um, but it is still a time of preparation and, you know, you still have another harvest in there at Samhain. You still have, you know, this movement going on and, you know, I, I really am trying to set an intention this year about slowing that movement down and making sure that it's intentional. Mm-hmm. And then I have set an intention and communicated an intention from Yule to embolg that that will be a time of rest that we you know we're not going to add any new activities we are you know if a spring sport requires that it you start before february we're not signing up for it we're not adding anything else to our plate um from you know december 22nd until Groundhog Day, roughly. Like, that that and- sounds wonderful. And I, I really do feel like that's why people, there is that collective like dread of January of having to push through and slug through when physically we shouldn't be at all. Like, yeah, obviously if you have to go to work, you have to go to work, right? Right. If you have to do these things, yes, you can't all just sit in the house and read all day long, you know, but there are opportunities to say, you know what, I'm not going to go out with friends twice a week, or I'm not going to do this activity or, or even like a book club or going to this place. Like, even if it's something that's part of your, your normal joy, but if it adds that extra layer, layer of stress, then it's time to just take a break. Even if it's, it's just for five to six weeks, just take, take that moment and take a breath. And yeah, no, I, I actually, that is going to, I'm going to put that in my little book about uh, not signing up the kids for classes in January. <laughs> I mean, the biggest stressor. I, yeah. I, we just, there's so much pressure as moms, right? Like mm-hmm. if you don't sign your kids up for soccer in second grade, they're not going to get into college. And it's, it's not true. I mean, but like, I've already, I've already decided that we're just not doing peewee sports in that way. Uh, just from my personal experience and having that mentality, we've just, we're doing martial arts. That's where we're at right now. Like, yeah. <laughs> Amelia's really decided that she wants to do obstacle course racing. Oh, um, amazing. so we are, she is training for a Spartan kids race um see these and, are things that they're gonna do as adults not play t-ball yeah i mean who knows maybe maybe amelia and Roz can become like you know the first women in the mlb but they can, what is it MLB? 
Sports sports are not my sports sports are not my thing. I don't know. Maybe they can tag team on like the new American gladiator or something. (laughs) Ross will manage. (laughs) Oh gosh. But you you know, and that's fine and that's fine. And but you know, the race will not be, I I don't know when it's going to be, but it will not be between probably not gonna be in January. I mean, no, I'm not standing outside while she runs an obstacle course in January. I'm not, I mean, but, but yeah, that's, that's really the kind of, like, I'm still going to work. I'm not still have to do your life. You just, you pick you, this is the time to truly pick and choose what's only going to bring you restorative joy, not, uh, extra layers of stress. Um, because that's what harvest season is. It's right. doing, 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 right? And then you get into a point of then celebrating that harvest season, which in our culture, which is Thanksgiving to Christmas, it's that time that is very stressful because you're trying to celebrate all of that hard work. And then after that, you need to take a break. Yes, that is. And that's really a good way to frame that time. The, the traditional American holiday season yeah. is celebrating that hard work and you know, I mean, there are things you can do too there to make it easier on yourself. And it, it really does come down to setting intentions and sticking with them. And it's hard sometimes, but, you know, when my husband and I got married, we decided that we weren't going to travel on Thanksgiving. And we told our families now, 15 years ago, we would love to see you. You are welcome to come to our home. And on occasion over the years, maybe two or three times, someone has taken us up on it, but mostly it's just been the two of us in our pajamas. We, until Amelia came along, we opened a bottle of champagne in the morning and watched the Macy's Day Parade and drank a bottle of champagne. And then I cooked Irish food. And now with Amelia here, I still, you know, we, uh, we don't drink a bottle of champagne in the morning anymore, but we still, all three will be doing it. So, you know. We, at some point we decided to add a morning hike because it felt good. Mm-hmm. So now we, we take a morning walk and then we watch the parade and we text and call my family and we all watch the parade together and make fun of it. Um, there is no commentary on the Macy's Thanksgiving day parade, like a former Manhattanite criticizing the city. <laughs> like it is like my favorite was last year. She was like, wow, they really cleaned up for this. <laughs> There's no garbage on the streets. It's like, Amelia, there wasn't any garbage on the Upper West Side. <laughs> the place is tourist goes. It's, there's never any garbage on the side nope. of the road. <laughs> nope. But, but uh, yeah, it's, that street doesn't turn there. Yeah, they the camera jumped. You're, yeah. you're correct. You're correct. But, so funny. That's but, a really beautiful. That's something that we've actually uh, implemented after we had children. We had now and now with the house, we've decided to do all holidays at our house. Maybe we'll travel again. You know, maybe like I don't mind, you know, traveling. But at this point, it's like we we have two kids. We want to spend it in our t- in our home. You are more than welcome to come and we'll do a whole big feast. I mean, I do a whole big feast anyways for the only two people who eat in our family. Every day I cook for like 10. <laughs> I don't know why. Just who I am. 
I love it. Oh God. I love it. Oh, I, so I think how to wrap this up is, I mean, cause we've kind of jumped all over the place, which is exactly what I wanted anyways. So there we go. Um, is really why it's important for our mental and physical health. Like, you know, I I think we've even answered this. I I think it's important because it allows us to acknowledge the world that's around us and mother nature, but it also allows us to be in tuned with our, our whole mind, body, and soul as one, not as three separate things. Yeah. I mean, I think when you, are attuned to the world and the way it changes. It also makes you more at peace with the fact that change is part of nature. You know, our bodies are aging and that is normal. Our, you know, you know, something really powerful for me, um, you know, I was very much a career woman um, before Amelia was born. I still am. Um, that did not change, um, but my priorities around that changed some. And another career woman, you know, told me when I was sort of struggling with, you know, this binary thinking about like, oh, like, am I going to stay on this track? If I slow down, am I going to get mommy tracked? She said, you know, your life has seasons and it's okay to live in the season of your life. Mm. And that super resonated with me as, you know, someone who practices, you know, witchcraft and this hedge magic and, and these things that really center on nature. But I was still seeing myself as really apart from that. And so being able to really recognize the seasonal changes in the world has made it a lot more peaceful for me to recognize the seasonal changes in my own life and in my own body, Mm -hmm. you know, like, yeah. And even if you, even if you're listening to this and you're like, I'm not really witchy, I'm not going to do all those things really it's for your body and your attunement. You know, if you're a bleeding person witnessing your period, (laughs) witnessing your menstruation through the seasons and through the moon, um, is empowering once you kind of figure that out. And then if you're not even your hormonal changes, um, you can witness it and, and it it's, it's, it will change how you communicate your feelings, but also your mental health to people when you are attuned to your seasonal, the seasonal effects on your actual physical body. Um, it changes everything. Like I personal note, when the seasons change, my menstruation is terrible. So four times a year, most of the time I'm cool four times a year. It is the worst. And I can then express that to my partner and go, Hey, I'm going to need, I need this like three or four day period. Cause it's going to be rough. I know it's going to be rough because it is every, every equinox, every solstice, you know, oh, and yeah. where we're yep. at. And I yep. just know that now when I was younger, it was just like, I don't know why. And it's like, Oh wait, I do know why right. I've decided my, I've decided to shift bleeding moons right randomly this year have shifted again so yep. it is sh- completely shifted how i react when i um am menstruating so right and that's personal note <laughs> that is you know that's again a body your body changing 
as you move through the seasons of your life. I mean, yes. that's that's what happens. The other part of it that's really amazing is recognizing the ways that nature rests, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, um, uh, the same woman said to me, you know, nothing in nature blooms all the time. Yes. Like you have moments when you bloom and moments when, you know, when you're not blooming, when you fade and moments when you wilt and you need what you need, whether that's water or time or a larger pot or Or maybe a full transformation of death and you move on and you become a different plant completely. I think that's the thing that is the biggest, the hardest concept to wrap your head around and acknowledge is that there are parts of you that will die. Yep. And that's okay. Yep. And you can grieve them. Mm -hmm. You can, you can, any of the rituals that you do around death and, and, and rebirth and life, you can do those for, for parts of you in the same way that you do them for ancestors, you know, and it's really, all of that can be really healing. Um, and centering the world and nature in your own understanding of yourself it connects you to people. It connects you to the planet. It connects you to food sources. Um, it can certainly turn you into an activist in many ways. Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. It's you know, a whole. It's holistic in the WH way. It is. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's it's uh the wheel of the. It's all these WHs. The wheel. <laughs> it's holistic. It's. <laughs> yep. Yep. And yeah. even if you don't believe the universe is sending you messages or that um, your role in the universe is such that, that that's something that is happening, you can still accept the messages. Like you don't have to believe in them. You can say, you know, let's use my power outage. You can say, well, you know, there's a, been a power outage. Like what is something I can do right now that will make me feel, you know, yeah connected and and whole and good and you know capitalize on it right right and (laughs) and not in that sense that like oh I have to be productive you know my I I met my neighbor at the school bus and he was like that was great I took a nap like (laughs) I mean a nap can be the most productive thing you do all day so take that nap (laughs) <laughs> yep, absolutely. But, you know, um, as you said, you know, you can believe in the witchy stuff, um, but there are still messages that you can get and take without the deeper practice. You know, personally, I think the deeper practice, you'll find more and richer and fuller, but which is, I'm not here to proselytize. It's not what we do. I don't know how to do it. No, frankly. Yeah, it's, not, it's not what this podcast is. We're not trying to convert to you. There's no I've, conversion. I, yeah, I've never, I've never converted anyone. I don't know I, if someone asked. I'm not even sure how I would like. I, I don't know. Read some. Here's some books. Like some books. Go outside I, barefoot. Grow, look grow at the a plant. I don't know. Here, here's a moon calendar for this year. Yeah, I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> practicing really awkward people who all do the same things in all different ways like yeah that's what we do hey (laughs) 
<laughs> it's it's really inviting. We yep. welcome you all. That's that's our cult speech right there. <laughs> Sometimes we get in arguments about whether the new moon is the night after the day or the night before the day. Oh, if the new goodness. moon is in the middle of the day. Oh, the please. The art the <laughs> I don't, I don't have time. That's going to be my January. I don't have time for that. No. All, all year round, no. though. <laughs> I, I've never, I, I've never, I've seen that argument, but I have I only online where people will argue about things they would never argue about in real life. And I just, I just keep going. It's not, not yeah. something I feel the need yeah. to engage with. No. So. No. Oh, goodness. <laughs> well, Terry, I think this is a really great way to wrap up this conversation. I mean, I hope everyone got a little bit out of this. I think so. We really talked about the Sabbaths a lot and that's exactly what the wheel of the year is and kind of aligning yourself through ritual, um, is, is the easiest way to acknowledge and kind of witness, um, the seasons and how they affect your body and your mind and your soul. So I want to say thank you to Terry for joining me. And I can't wait to have you back again because we'll talk about something else. Super exciting. I don't know what, but it'll be something fun and you all will enjoy. So thank you, Terry, so much. Thanks for having me again. This was really fun. I it was you're so good at drawing out the points and and having really something, you know to say about these things, you know, so much of my practice, I'm like, I, I don't know, I just do it. I've always done it or, you know, and I'm, I'm trying to get more intentional about it and coming in talking to you twice now has really helped me frame this up and, and think about more about like where the intentions are. So I really appreciate the opportunity to do that. Thank you. This is, that's, uh, thank you. This is me healing my Gemini Chiron, everyone. So look and find <laughs> out where your Chiron is in your chart and find an activity to heal that. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you and stay grounded. Thank you for listening to Magic on the Patio. For more information on this episode's co-host, check out the podcast show notes or our Instagram at Magic on the Patio. Stay grounded.